You are dialed in to the Success Line Podcast, the place where you get a chance to phone a friend, call in a lifeline, and ask a favor of someone who's been there and done that. This is Real People getting one-on-one coaching with Success Entrepreneurship Editor and New York Times bestselling author, Rory Vaden. Here's Rory. Hey there, it's Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group and your host of The Success Line. What you're about to hear is a real-life conversation with somebody that I am just meeting about the actual struggles they are facing each and every day in their life and their business. You and I are going to meet them at the same time. We're going to have an honest talk and then stick around at the very end and I'll do a debrief and a recap highlighting some of the biggest takeaways that you can apply to your own life. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to the Success Line. It's your friend, Rory Vaden. As always, excited to be here with you and to introduce to you someone that I am just meeting. His name is Dr. Connor. He's got a PhD. I know he's building his personal brand. Um, That's about all I know about him. So we're going to meet him together. But every single week, that's what we're doing. We're talking about how to help small business owners build their influence, build their impact, uh, build their income, make a bigger difference in the world. And so, uh, yeah, let's get to meet him. So, Dr. Connor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rory. Fantastic to be here. You might notice I have a very strange accent. But that's because I'm here in the west of Ireland, and as we record, the window light is fading, and I can see that for you, it's a, it's a different time of the day. Uh-huh. I, I love that. I, I have been to Ireland, loved, loved it. We were in Adair, if I recall, and uh, went to the Clissamoir, and man, what, what a beautiful country and just an amazing place to be. So, always love having a friend in Ireland, and... So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your story and like what what do you do and uh, how are how are, what what's your what's your business and what are you working on? Yeah, no problem. So basically, um, as you introduced me there, I have a PhD and I work in the field of neuroscience and psychology. And mm. basically, I work with high performers. So anybody who's in the sporting or obviously any performance level, like music, I've worked with a few musicians. And even entrepreneurs. Um, my background, though, initially was, believe it or not, in school teaching. So one of the things I think that attracted me towards the fantastic work that you do is the, the central stream through all, all of those things, which is one way is education. And as we know right now, these days, there's so much, like there's a plethora of stuff online that every personal brand has to create. Right. But I love I love doing that because I mean there's an educational string to my bow for sure. And I love writing as well. So the two things, educational and producing content through the medium of writing, is a joy to me. But at times it can be very frustrating because even though we don't <laughs> yeah it's like well i mean the writing the technicalities of writing can be obviously really frustrating for anybody any of us and especially if you have to change your style or you try to adapt or you you read something that's absolutely fantastic or mm. you read something or you hear something so like i said there's so much data out there there's so much research being done and things being produced about how to improve and do things online and so on and you start thinking, gosh, maybe I should change this or I'll try this, I'll try that. The problem is with it all, I find, is that at the end of the day, you can write a bazillion articles or you know, you could put out there a lot of books, but you still need to have readers. It's like mm. your content, you need to have viewers in order to be judged because they have to be judged in order to be able to pivot, this famous word of pivoting. And I don't mind pivoting. I don't mind trying to improve. At the end of the day, your public, your audience will judge you. And you mentioned personal brand. I don't think you have a personal brand really entirely until you have this new term of super fans as well. You have to have those core elite and you have to have people that will not just read the first thing you produce, but the second, third, fourth, 10th, 15th, 100th and so on. And I think there's a credibility there that's required. And I'm always, you know, I, I, I produce the content. And I, I know my stuff, but I think it's trying to get the first 
kind of rung on the ladder as such internationally. That's that's quite difficult, I find, from a writing sense. Mm-hmm. So is that what you're, is that basically the the essence of your question is in terms of like, how do you build your readership? Uh, like, how do you build your your audience and your kind of following? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, my past in the writing, let me think. So uh, probably about, I don't know, about seven or eight years ago, I started off with uh, kind of a national magazine here in Ireland, uh, an online, primarily an online magazine. Now, of course, we're a little bit behind the States in many ways with regard to uh, publications online. So it was a, a quite unique type of publication, but unfortunately, there wasn't much money put behind it. And so mm-hmm. it came to a grinding halt, but I had produced a, like just a, a bunch of stuff online. And so that was, you know, that got my, that got me like, you know, just really intrigued, interested and fascinated the whole thing. And I was like, whoa, so this internet thing is big, but how is it, you know, some people look at some articles that are right and some people don't look at others when I find that some are written better. You know, I, I honestly know if I've, I've done a good job on one thing or another or some things more, might be more timely than others and so on. So, you know, it got me intrigued about it all. And so, therefore, I, I wrote one particular blog on my website. I was doing a lot of website blogging at the time. And uh, it, it won a kind of a letter of the week or not, not a letter of the week. Sorry, it was a blog of the month, actually. And that was that was fantastic, right? So I was like, okay, maybe it's blogging where it's at, writing online. So off I went and I blogged for a while. But again, then it just kind of it ended up pear-shaped. And uh, so I was intrigued by it all. So I've been writing quite a bit now on the last, I think, year or so on Medium. And um, yeah, I'm just wondering where to go from there. I have a couple of hundred articles on it and uh, wow. a variety of different topics, but generally under my own kind of wheelhouse as such i wouldn't write on things that i don't have any expertise on and it's funny the the beautiful thing about something like medium.com is that you can get a lot of the statistics a lot of the data but unfortunately the data again it can be it it goes up and goes down and to find a trend there is tricky so in terms of your readership like you're saying in terms of the data of how many readers you're attracting and viewers you're getting and that well, kind of yeah thing. You, you, again you might do an article that you might think is pretty good and then you pop it up and suddenly you know it, it does well enough and then suddenly it goes you do something on the same topic or a similar topic a few days later and then it's gone down down south mm-hmm. and similarly if you do something that you know is excellent really timely really um, authentic, a new slant on things, and so on, and then it could just completely bottom out. Doesn't work at all. So, so it's what? Tricky. What is your? What's your actual question? Is your, is that? Is your question basically how do you develop a more consistent readership of your own, or how do you get you know more prominent featured your articles more prominently featured? Yeah, I think both. I think those two things. I mean, I would have I would have thought on my started my journey with all of this that if you do get, like you say, a consistent readership and and it grows and grows and grows and uh, all of that, that then naturally the the bigger publications would, would produce one of your articles here and there now and then. Um, but perhaps it's not. Perhaps it's not that way. Maybe it's just that one specific article can be plucked from, from a deluge of whatever else that's online at the time and that it's just, it's just fitting for what a magazine needs. So I, I don't really know, to be quite honest. So that's where I'm, like, as I said, I've read, I've taken advice, I've, um, you know, I've done everything I, I can do at this stage. And, and I'm just, I'm a little bit confused by it all. So, yeah, I, I just don't have the knowledge. It seems to me, and I'm sure to a lot of listeners as well, that like everything online, like all the videos we have out there and like all the podcasts, that there's just such an amount of writing, especially after the pandemic, I think, as well, because a lot of people started writing um, certainly, I know in my country, Saints, Saints, the, the 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 land of saints and scholars, as we're called, a lot of people like took to writing and journaling and so on, and just popping them online. So maybe I'm thinking that perhaps there's just a deluge of, of stuff online that's just like too crowded a space right now. I don't know. So mm. I'm just wondering what how publications look at things. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, lots of lots of great things to talk about in there. Um, we spend a lot of time studying this, doing this, helping clients get in the, get in the media built, you know, how does it all work? 
the, the first thing I want to talk about there is um, I want to address the concern or the issue that there's just too much competition or too much noise. Um, and this is for anyone listening. This isn't directed necessary. Like this isn't directed at, at you, Connor, even though this, you know, this kind of like is making me think of it as the easy, the easy excuse is to say, well, there's just so much competition. No one will ever pay attention to me. And it's, uh, or, you know, it's just unfair or I'm too late to the game or, you know, I just don't have a big enough following. There's all of these things that we will say as content creators that um, are really justifications. And, and the, the payoff for having an excuse is that it prevents you from having to do the work to find out if it's really true. That is what it, all excuses do is they, they give us a justifiable way to con to, to, to safely excuse ourselves from having to do the work to see if it's really true. The, the truth is there is, there is a, massive shortage of good content. There is a lot of content and it's a lot of crappy content out there. There is a lot of not well-organized, not well-researched, not well-thought, not well-written, not well-edited content everywhere. And um, there, you know, I think about this with TV, right? It's like, there's thousands of channels and I have to search for hours to find a show worth watching. Like that is such a great reflection of like the internet because you could just throw stuff up. It's even worse. Like anyone can just throw stuff up. And that's the, the thing that you have to know and you have to believe and you have to decide as a writer, as a, as a content creator. Um, again, I'm not just talking to you, Connor. I'm talking to everybody listening is, is you have to know and believe that if you produce great content for a really long time, you will build a loyal following. And, and that is, that is true. Like there, there's not an example of, of people producing great work consistently over a long period of time that don't eventually get attention. People burn out because they have too short a time horizon. They go, ah, you know, I've been blogging for six, you know, six months and it's not working out. And so this is a waste of time. And it's like, well, blog for 20 years and see if that, if, if you run into the same thing. Like, I don't know an example of someone who has been blogging consistently. I mean, blogging hasn't even been around 20 years, but like um, one of our friends and clients is a, is a woman named Lovey Ajayi. She started blogging in college and was just blogging, 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 blogging. She'd been blogging for 15 years. And now, you know, she just had her second book hit the New York Times bestseller list. It's like, because she'd been doing it consistently for years, quality content. So if that's the thing you have to believe, because there's really only, there's really only two beliefs that you can have. That's one of them is if I do good work for a long enough time, it will pay off. The other is no matter how good my work is, it'll never pay off. Like those are really the only two mindsets to have. People dabble in the middle, but they ultimately gravitate towards one or the other. Um, so you got to just kind of decide that. Now, that's a, that's a mental thing. That's a limiting belief. That's a mindset thing. When it comes to actually getting yourself into the media. So let's address that question specifically, right? So like, you know, let's say you've been writing, you go like, how do I get an article picked up in Forbes or Entrepreneur or for success um, or, you know, CNN or the Wall Street Journal the, or, or the New York Times? Um, that is, that's, that's one of the questions here, I think, right? It's just like, how do major media, how do major media outlets work? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think it's the prime question because I, I think, and that me as an example, you can, I mean, I don't have any, any limiting beliefs. I really don't with regard to that. I don't mind continuing to write because I love it. There's absolutely no reason. Uh, and I know the more you do it, the more you improve, so long as you're kind of very strict on yourself and you, you continue to research as you would any other topic or any other thing you're doing in life. And obviously with reading, or sorry, with writing, if you continue to read, especially in your genre, you're going to kind of pick up things and like see the way good writers and, and well-produced writers, uh, or sorry, published writers are, are doing it and stuff. So I absolutely agree with you, you know, the consistency, 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 for sure. Um, but 
Yeah, it's the traditional thing. Like you said there, blogging isn't around 20 years, but these publications that you've just mentioned are. A lot of them are around a lot longer than 20 years. So there must be a way that they hand, like, you know, they pick an editor that, you know, when an editor retires, they kind of um, teach another editor, kind of pass on their experience with regard to this is what this brand, you mentioned brands earlier on, personal brands. So like big, big brands internationally that, this is what the type of pro, uh, production level or the high production level we expect in this brand. Because if a brand is over 20, 30, 40 years, you'd imagine they want really, really top stuff, which is absolutely fine. So the likes of me, I have to continue to improve, continue to improve, continue to improve. So, yeah, that's that to me, that's the golden, the, go, the real top, you know, the cherry on the cake is these top brands that you've that you've already mentioned. So is there a kind of consistent way they look at things of mm-hmm. where they or how they choose a particular article to be published or how does it work out? Yeah. So I'll give you the ultimate secret right now to getting featured in major media. And it's so simple and it's so it's so straightforward. Like you'll be you'll be shocked. Okay, actually, I first first I need to help first I need to help you understand something, and then I'll tell you exactly what to do. The the biggest mindset shift that you have to make and the smarter you are, the more important it is to make this mindset shift. And you've got a PhD and you seem very intellectual and academic, you know, like you've well-researched. And so the, the, the big realization to understand about media is that media is not in the business of sharing truth or sharing news or sharing accuracy or sharing good information, or even necessarily sharing bad information. That's not the business that media is in. Media is in the business of eyeballs. All media outlets make their money by holding people's attention and selling advertisers the opportunity to get in front of those people. And so as a content creator, right, we approach it almost like we're an artist, we're a scientist, we're a, we're a researcher, we're trying to communicate worthwhile ideas that make the world a better place. And on some level, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing the pendulum too far for a second because it needs to be for, for, for you to understand. The media doesn't care about that. They care about eyeballs. So they don't care about accuracy. They care about attention. So accuracy is a necessary evil over time because if you are inaccurate for a really long time, it will start to it'll start to hurt your attention. People won't pay attention to you. But the reason why you see clickbait all over the internet with like half naked pictures, half naked people, or gross things, or um, you know, like a picture of a spider is because it, it draws attention. And, and that's what media, media makes money by having eyeballs. They have to get people there. Um, so that's the first thing to understand about media is to go, when you approach it as a writer, we're trying to come at it from like integrity's sake and like accuracy's sake. And it doesn't mean that the media wants to be inaccurate. This isn't a, I hate media. I love media. I, I, am, I am a member of the media. I produce my own blog. I produce my own podcast. I work here at Success. I produce articles. I'm, on, I'm in national TV all the time. Like We are featured in national media and our, our clients are all the time. Part of the reason why is because we understand what's going on. And we, the, the, the way to get featured in the media at a high level is for you as a writer or as a content creator to bring value to them. The value that you bring to them is not just the integrity of your ideas. It's the audience that you bring. And it is in the ability for the ideas that you're talking about to help them acquire new audience. I can share a deeply profound truth, but if it doesn't capture people's attention or they don't share it or they don't engage with it, the fact that it's really, really good, like it could be a world-changing idea, but if nobody sees it, it has little value, little value to the media company and honestly, little value to the to the world. So they're in the business of attention, the business of eyeballs. It's how they make money. The more eyeballs they get, the more they can sell that space, whether it is a, a commercial on a TV, whether it is a little... Um, 
like a voiceover ad in a podcast, or if it's a banner ad on the side of a website, or it's a page in a print magazine. That's how these companies make their living. They, the, the content is the, is the conduit for a bringing an audience, and then they have to sell access to that. So my job isn't just to provide great ideas. My job is to bring audience, which means that I can, one of the things that's super powerful, so we'll talk about this in just a second, is literally bringing your audience. The bigger your personal brand grows, the easier it is for you to get in media. And, and it used to be you have to get in the media to build your audience. Now it's if you build an audience, the media wants you because they know you bring your audience. That's why they want to interview celebrities. It's not because celebrities are the smartest or they have the best ideas. It's because celebrities have an audience of fans that follow them. Um, so at a very high level, that's the big thing that took me years to understand. I was so focused on trying to create ideas that were worthwhile enough to get featured. And it's so much simpler than that. It's, it's so much more direct than that. That's a worthwhile pursuit. Like as a, as a colleague, as a, as an artist, as a writer, I say, you should pursue that also. But we misassign that as how to get into media is to be a better writer or have better ideas that will get us in the media. And it's actually much more elementary and fundamental than that. It's going, how can I create content that gets readers? Um, and they're not the same thing. They can be, but they're not always the same thing. So tactically speaking, let me now address tactically what you do. So here is the, here's the greatest simplest, most straightforward secret to getting featured in the news media. It is to tie your expertise into something that is happening in the news cycle. Tie your expert. The marriage is to take what's happening in the news cycle and for you to comment on that through your lens of expertise, right? So like right now, for example, if you talk about high performers, the, the thing that you should be writing about is the Olympics, because that is the thing happening in this very moment at the time of this recording is it is the it's all about the Olympics and everything's going on with the Olympics. And so if you just write blogs about secrets of high performance, it's evergreen content, which is great for you, but it doesn't get picked up in the in the media. The media is always covering the news cycle is whatever has people's attention. Right. And so you don't ask yourself the question, what's a great idea? Ask yourself what's going on in the news cycle. And when you go, this is what's happening in the news cycle. And then go, how can I comment on it? This is how we got on Good Morning America two weeks ago on accident. Like literally Good Morning America called us. Are you familiar with that outlet? Oh, I heard it was. Yeah. <laughs> But but they don't they don't air it in Ireland. It, no, it's Good Afternoon Ireland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. So we did this. We released this national research study on trends in personal branding. Well, what happened was Good Morning America contacted us because they saw us release the study and they said, "Hey, there's this story about Victoria's Secret who's moving away from these supermodels and they're moving to personal brands instead. Can you come talk?" about why or why you think, why or why not that's a good idea, right? Because they were connecting our expertise to the news cycle. So that is what you got to do. If, if, if you're going to get them to show up and call you, it's because you're writing about something in the news cycle. Um, and there's a great term for this. Uh, David Meerman Scott coined this phrase. It's called newsjacking. Have you ever heard of this term? No, I have not newsjacking. So it's like it's like hijacking the news, which is where the term comes from. So if you think about the news cycle, whenever something big happens in the world or in your local market, and this works at a local level, a regional level, a national level, and an international level. Whenever something big happens, there's breaking news, right? And so all the reporters flood to the scene and they're like, hi, live with you from, you know, whatever, whatever station, right? Like from the White House or from wherever that's breaking news but then if it's a big event people are going to be talking about it and and think about this is you have to find a way to talk about the thing that everyone is talking about all day long so if you if you run cnn or al jazeera or any of these media companies you have to find a way to talk all day long about the same thing 
like on any given day, there's only two or three main headline stories, which is what everyone's talking about. So what the, in order to do that, for them to keep talking about the same thing over and over again, they need expert, they need angles, they need different angles to talk about it. So they go, let me bring in a finance expert to talk about how, what's the impact of the Olympics on local economies. Let me bring in a fitness expert to talk about how, what are the ways that uh, Olympians train for, for competition. Let me bring in a, a, a mental you know, health expert to talk about depression and, and stuff. And then let me bring in a high performance expert to talk about you know, tips that we can learn about achieving at the highest level of potential in our own lives from studying Olympic athletes. And that's where they would call you. So whether you just write that story on your own blog or on medium, that's how it might get picked up. But the other thing is that you have to pitch editors. You have to pitch these people. Like most editors don't have a lot of time. They're extremely busy. It's a very it's a very fast paced business and they're constantly going, okay, how do I prepare for the next show? Like we got a show coming up in a few hours. Like what's, what's hot, what's trending right now. And, and they're not typically, and I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself really a full expert on this, but I, you know, I've been in almost every major national media outlet there is in the U S and several around the globe. And it's because we, we, we reverse engineered what was happening here is going, they're not they're not searching for who's the smartest person or what's the best idea what they're searching for is what is everyone talking about right now and what can we put together to dovetail on that to 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 draft like in race in racing they call this drafting right you get in the draft of the car in front of you it's it's to write in the wake of and that's how they produce content is they're going what's what is everyone talking about? What's the big thing happening in the world or in the in the local market, right? For me, it'd be Nashville. Like, what's going on? Is there a fair? Is there a big concert? Is there a, a big sporting event? And the more I can tie into that, which is the same stuff I would write on any given day, I'm just angling it into what's happening into the news. It makes it so easy for them to say yes, because I'm, I'm, I'm already talking about the thing they want to talk about. It's, it's the difference of I need to be talking about the thing they want to talk about versus me convincing them to talk about the thing that I want to talk about. Say that again. I want to, I want to be an easy yes for them by way of me talking about the thing they already want to talk about versus me trying to convince them to talk about the thing that I want to talk about. And, um, and then you just have to pitch editors. You have to pitch them, right? So you write an article for your blog and then and then you find out who's covering the Olympics or who who's the writer for Forbes who talks about, you know, high performance. And then you 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 have to pitch them. You have to contact them and you say, "Hey, I would love to write a guest article for you." And I'm telling you, this is so much easier than everyone thinks. We all think, "Oh my gosh, you know, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, I mean, there are certain outlets that are more difficult. I would say, you know, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Harvard Business Review. Those are not easy to get in into, but it's the same. It is the same process. But to get into a lot of these, a lot of these writers are, aren't even staff. They're not even employees. They're contractors and they need to fill their content calendar, um, which is the other thing to believe and know uh, the, to know about media is they need you more than you need them. They need you more than you need them. For you, it's a nice media piece, but it's ancillary to your business. For them, this is their business. If they're not producing content, if they're not producing news stories, if they don't have fresh hooks and fresh angles and fresh slants, um, they don't have an outlet. They, 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 they are in a race every day to like keep up with attention. So they need you more than you need them. And they need new faces. They need new voices. We want to hear new opinions, new, new perspectives. And so you're just kind of like tying into that. So you got to pitch the editors. Now, one question you might have is, well, where do you find the editors? Like, how do you know who the people are? And it's so easy. 
Um, number one is like, if it's an online outlet, you literally can just go search on Forbes and click down in their categories. And so show me all the, show me all the people who write on finance, show me all the people who write on leadership, show me all the people who write on entrepreneurship, show me the people who write on, you know, celebrity life and, and on sports and, and you, their, their picture and their byline will be right there. And then you search the people on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, you find them. And then you build relationships with those people. Like there's getting featured in the media often, like even for me, I used to think of it as the, it, it's this black box that feels like there's some gatekeeper who holds the control to like wave the magic wand to say you're good enough to come in. And that's what we all think. In reality, they, they just need, need semi-good content. It doesn't even have to be amazing content. It has to be decent in most cases, they just need decent content that's relevant to what's happening in the news cycle um, because that's what gets eyeballs. It's much harder. It's much harder to attract um, new eyeballs to great content than it is to put out decent content in a, a location where there's already lots of eyeballs. There's already a hot topic. Um, and we just want to be in. So it's like we're joining conversations we're not starting conversations. Um, and with, um, so you find these people on Twitter, which, you know, leads me to one, one other thing I wanted to say about this in terms of like pitching, pitching editors and tying your, tying your expertise in, into them. Um, one of the greatest secrets of being in the media is to start a podcast, is to start your own podcast. And here's why. Almost everybody who writes for an outlet, they write articles, they, they do videos, they are news anchors, they host a show. Almost every person who is a contributor or an editor of some type to some media outlet, at some point in their life, they're going to write a book. Like They almost all end up writing a book. And when they write a book, they have the same struggle that every author has, which is what do I do to promote my book? How do I get people to buy my book? And the easiest thing is to find other, to find podcasts of, of existing shows who might have my audience. So by hosting a podcast, you automatically attract these people. They're looking for you. And what happens is you wait, the best time to reach out to people is when they have a book launch. If you ever want to get an A-list guest on your show, what you do is you wait till they have a book launch and then you reach out to them and you say, oh, hey, I see you're launching this book. I'd love to have you on my show and promote you to my audience. Again, it's you're aligning with their interest in their timing and what they're trying to do versus you know trying to reach out to somebody to get them to just come on your show when they're busy and they're doing other stuff. But when they're in that season of doing the book launch, they need shows to be on. They're looking to network and, and, and appear. The other thing about hosting a podcast, one is it helps you meet people. Two is it helps you understand the flow of content. And you start to think more of like a producer and an editor of going, man, you feel the grind of having to come up with new ideas and, 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 and publish every week because media companies, they publish on a schedule. They don't publish when they have something meaningful to say. They, they, they publish every day or every week or every hour or every minute in some cases. And so when you're producing your own show, you go, you realize, gosh, I need fresh things to talk about. And it really boosts your confidence. Um, of, of, and it helps you know how to pitch better because, you know, I say pitch, you're basically just contacting them and asking, you're saying, hey, can I write a guest article for you? But I, I bet just being a PhD Dr. Connor, like the fact that you have a PhD alone makes it very easy for them to cite you. And there's a continuum here of getting featured in the media. First, they cite you. And the way they cite you is just by knowing about you. And, and uh, by the way, you, if you retweet these people on Twitter, like you, you go find who's the, who's the high performance editor or psychologist who writes for whatever outlet, pick one entrepreneur. And and then you, you look up their name, you follow them on Twitter, and then you start retweeting them. Or you go follow them on Instagram, you start sharing their posts, you start commenting and you engage, you bring them on your podcast. Like you build relationships with these individual people 
the gatekeepers are usually individuals. They're no longer these big like media conglomerates. Now, getting a front page story in the New York Times, that's different. But 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 that is what is that's what happens as a result of this. The more media you build up, it builds this it builds a snowball towards it. But um, so you you add value to their life first. You share their stuff. You comment on their posts. You you feature them on their on your podcast. You you promote their book during their book launch, and you build relationships. And then what happens is you let them know you're there. Hey, if you ever run a story on blank, I would love to be interviewed. And so you show up, and at first you get cited as an expert. You know, as Dr. Connor says, blankety blank, and it's one line in there. And then. At some point, they'll do a feature on you and they interview you and you're the subject of the story. And then you become a guest writer and you're writing, you're submitting articles every once in a while. And then after that, you become a contributor where you they give you the keys and you have your own login to the back end and you can just publish and you know you have an editor and you do that and then you become the editor. So there's a whole you know continuum that happens. But it's it's really it's really understanding, and this is what every artist needs to understand. Even if, this is what every salesperson needs to understand. It's not just about doing your craft. You have to do your craft, and you have to market your craft. Um, like artists often say, I don't want to do market. If I don't want to do marketing, if I'm a good enough artist, I shouldn't have to market. People should find me. That is the mantra of a broke artist who who will often not have their art seen in the world. The, the thriving artist, the profitable artist, the one who gets known in the world is the artist who says marketing is art. Marketing is part of my artistry. Letting people know that my art exists is a part of my art. Um, it's not enough to create it in my dungeon basement and never share it with the world part of the part of part of the art is actually sharing it with the world and so you got to build these relationships and you got to pitch people and you got to understand how they think but tie your expertise into the news cycle it really if you build relationships with these people realize they need you more than you need them and then tie your expertise into the news cycle that's happening it's and it's an easy yes like you'll be shocked at how easy this is yeah, wow, that's a hugely comprehensive answer. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> that was like a chunk, you know. Um, that's why I took up this podcast. Uh, you know, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's all about relationships. And it's like, you know, you can listen to podcasts. You can read stuff. But until you actually, and as we're recording, thankfully, we're face-to-face -face with modern technology. So it's wonderful. You can see people. You can see their reactions. You can... Uh, and you're learning like one little bit. I love what you said there with regard to the, if you only learn one little bit, that is, I love what you said there with regard to the marketing thing. Could you just repeat that? The last kind of couple of paragraphs you said, like to be, I think there was something to do with it being the artistry of marketing rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. So of, of, of kind of academia. absolutely. So artists of which I am one, right? Like I'm a creator, I'm a writer, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I was a speaker first, right? Um, and then I became a writer and now, you know, I make videos and all this stuff. And as an artist, we want to create amazing art. We want to create something worthwhile that that's good. And we pour ourselves into our art. And then we tell ourselves if our art is good enough, people will find it. And that self is a self sabotaging limiting belief it keeps us broke and you know most of us artists go well money's not my most important thing well okay separate from that not only does it keep you broke it keeps people from ever finding your art artists consider marketing beneath them most artists consider marketing beneath them but really marketing is art marketing is part of your artistry Art marketing is part of your craft. So you have to do your craft and then you have to tell people about your craft. Otherwise, no one sees it. If I record a song, but I don't tell anyone's there, no one hears it. If I write a book, but I don't tell anyone's there, no one reads it. If I make a painting, but I don't tell anyone there, no one sees it. If I start a business and I don't tell anyone's there, no one buys it. Like marketing is art. 
it is part of your art. It's not just an art, like marketing is an art form, but the actual marketing of your art is a necessary, essential, critical, foundational, and core component of your art. Like your art doesn't reach the world without marketing. And so you have to market it in order for it, in order for your art to achieve its highest purpose. Um, and that, you know, that's what we're talking about when you, you know, you're, you know, doing a book launch or telling people about your speaking career or promoting your podcast and people go, oh, it feels self-promotional. It's not self-promotional. It's just promotional. Like it's promotional because you, how do I know it's there? If you don't tell me, I, I, I have to, what good is art that no one sees? What good is art that no one hears? What good is art that no one listens to? Like, it's not art without an audience. So you got you gotta you gotta learn to do marketing and and develop the same passion for marketing that you do for art. And here's what's so frustrating and heartbreaking about it. So many of us artists sit back and judge other artists because their art isn't as good as ours. And yet everybody knows them. Everybody sees them. They're the ones making all the money and everyone reads their books and you go, this book is crap. I could have written this book in one draft. Like there's nothing original, but everybody reads it. Why? Because that artist knows that marketing is part of their art. The rest of us sit around in our tower thinking that if we're good enough, our art will you know, sell itself. And it's, it is the self-limiting, self-sabotaging, belief of that you know holds most art back wow such knowledge i mean you mentioned there that you've you've worked with or worked in some of the major u.s like publications and and media outlets and international that's just a wealth of knowledge well yeah well thank you well what so what happened was um so our first book when i was 29 years old i had a book called take the stairs that hit number one on the wall street journal and number two on the new york times bestseller list how did that happen because it was the best book ever written no was it the best book written that week no not that year no but we did a great job promoting it we had a plan to let a whole bunch of people know that the book existed on the week that the book came out and this is this is now this is our whole business, right? Is helping people basically, you know, clarify their brand and then you know expand their reach to reach more people, um, because so many artists are consumed with their craft, they they don't know and they don't learn the marketing part of their artistry. Um, so the uh, yeah, so that's what happened. So when that book came out. We got a lot of attention. You know, I was a 29-year-old first-time author who hit number two on the New York Times. Uh, we had a we had a bunch of research. That's another thing that really helps to get in the media is to do national research studies. Um, so, like our our company uh, is just Brand Builders Group. So I'm talking about. By the way, I'm a contractor at Success. Right, I have my own company. I am I'm an example of what I was saying is most of these people are easy to find. They're not protected in some black box somewhere. They're out there and they're easy. You know, I have my own Instagram, my own Twitter, my own, my own uh, stuff. So these people are easy to get to. Um, but the, you know, we released a, a study or we're releasing a study called the trends and personal branding national research study. And we hired an independent research firm. Several times, I think three or four times, the, the, the only three or four times we've done a national research study, every time we got featured in national media. Why? Because they need stuff to talk about. So data that is, you know, statistically valid and weighted to, you know, the, the census and has a, a plus or minus, you know, 3% margin of error, or whatever, like, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the firms that we hired, we used a firm called the Center for Generational Kinetics to conduct ours. But, you know, they conduct the study. It's easy for the media to feature us. You want to be easy to say yes to. So talk about the things they're interested in. Talk about the hot topics. You know, and if you have data, like not, you know, real, real academically, you know, sound data, that's that's easy to say yes to. But um, yeah. And so then what, what, you know, we started podcasting early. So we sold our we sold our first podcast all the way back in 2018. But we we had podcast early. I've been blogging. I've been posting on social. And you know, uh, in 2018, we sold all my personal social media platform. 
So we sold my email list, my podcast, my, my, my Facebook account, everything. So we just started over in 2018. So my followers that you would see now are a lot lower than they would have been because we sold it. And so we've done it twice. We're, we're ha- we had to rebuild and it, it's, it's a grind for us even now. We've already done this once before and it's, it's a grind, but you just consistently put out quality content. You build relationships, you add value. Um, you know, and one last little thing here for, for everybody listening, this isn't just for you, Dr. Connor, but like um, when it comes to your content, save the best for first. Save the best for first. Put your best stuff out. What, what, what so many of us do is operate from a scarcity mindset of going, you know, I'm going to share a little bit of a teaser, but you got to buy if you want the good stuff. Put, put the every day, wake up and push the envelope to go, I mean, to put the, what is the best idea I have today? That's the, that's the one I'm going to give you. And you push it out there. And so it constantly, you're not living in scarcity. You're living in the abundance of going. And, and the good news is if you put your best stuff out there, you might get a second chance to, to you, you might earn the right to have a visitor, a reader come back a second time. If you put out your B or your C minus content, you're never going to get that chance. So you might as well save the best for first and just keep pushing yourself and keep, keep, keep them coming back. Um, because the, that's the problem is not that is, is, is attention. If the the world is in a, is in a battle for attention, that's, that's what we're all, we're all after. So, um, hopefully that gives you some, some ideas and a little bit of philosophy and strategy as well as some practical ideas. But I mean, you got a PhD, you, you like, you've got a lot of good things going. You're doing all the right things. I went to your website, like you just got to keep reinvesting and, and upgrading and getting nicer photography and nicer, faster loading websites and nicer videos and, um, and getting, you, you know, keep putting out content and growing your audience and, and, um, you know, also having an opt-in list. If, if there's one, one other big thing I haven't said yet, it is that you should build your own audience while you're speaking to other people's audiences. You have to be your own media channel. Your own blog needs to be the headquarters. And if you shoot me a DM on this, Connor, because I know we're out of time, but if you shoot me a DM, I will send you a, a link to a free training that we did about how to be your own media company and create like our, we, it's a free training we did on our entire digital content strategy with social media, blogging, podcasting. Um, but just maybe shoot me like a DM on Instagram and then um, I'll send you the training. That's fantastic, Rory. I mean, there's such a wealth of knowledge from what you're saying there. And uh, I, I think, I mean, whoa, I was, uh, I was thinking, will I take notes? But no, I, 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 I'm just going to have to listen back to this again and again and again and again. Well, good. I, I, hope, you, I hope you stay connected. And that's, that's what we're trying to do is constantly add as much value yeah. and like on a free podcast, right? Like we're giving away our secrets because we have, and if you give away your secrets, you constantly will learn. You'll learn so, you'll have such a depth of, of expertise to offer people and you, you just never run out. So we wish you the best of luck. Thank you for making time for coming on the show. And, um, yeah, the, obviously you'll have this episode. It'll be live so you can listen to it as many times as you want. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so, so much, Roy. So many great uh, takeaways on that. And that was such a deep dive on media. I I actually didn't realize that I had so many (laughs) thoughts and strategies about uh, working with the media. And it's funny because now I am the media. I mean, here I am. So uh, let's just kind of break down three of the biggest concepts or ideas or takeaways for how to get featured in the media. Um, Number one, realize that the media is not necessarily in the business of accuracy. Media is in the business of attention. And so you have to to position your expertise, your content, your ideas in a way that it dovetails with what drives attention. One of the easy ways to do that is to tie your expertise into something already happening in the news cycle, or just to tie your expertise into something that happened that their audience cares about, right? Like if you, if you want to write for an industry outlet, you can probably get a guest article in an industry outlet with a simple email. And you can, I mean, these industry publications, they're starving for guest contributors. That is, but the key is, 
you have to write something custom for their audience. It's not really custom. It's just tailored for their audience. So realize that you're you're not just in the business of integrity and great ideas and honesty. I'm not saying that it's disintegritous. I'm just saying that that the the number one highest threshold is attention, not accuracy. Accuracy is necessary to garner attention, but there's a lot of flexibility there, which is why you see a lot of, you know, pivots and angles and switches around in, in media stories because it's attention that is king, not accuracy. The second thing is realize that the media needs you more than you need them, right? For you, this is one nice pitch, one nice article, one nice feature, but for them, they got to produce content on a regular basis, often on a very frequent interval. It might be at least every, every month, probably every week, most often every day, and in some cases, every hour, or even every single minute. So they, they are looking for, for qualified, credible experts to feature, right? Uh, you know, I don't want to paint the media in a negative light that they don't care about accuracy. They do care about accuracy. It's just that attention matters more. They do need credibility and, and they want to feature. They, they need experts. And so how can you position yourself as a credible expert on a subject that is relevant to their audience that will bring them attention and bring them more eyeballs? If you can do that, you're going to be in a really great shape. Um, and then the third thing, like anything, the media thrives on relationships. It's all about building relationships. And the best time to build a relationship is before you need one. You don't try to build one by asking for something. That's not the way to build a relationship. Figure out what can I give? How can I help? How can I serve? How can I be of use to you? Um, be of use to someone before you ask them to help you. So whatever that is, can I submit free articles? Can I feature you on my podcast? Can I help you with your book launch? But um, can I volunteer at your event? Can I help you edit? Can I help you, you know, can I provide some social media strategy for you? Whatever your expertise is, all of us have some, some expertise. So figure out who am I trying to meet and how can I leverage my expertise to give them value before I ask them for something in return? Build relationships before you need them. But that is the game of media. The, the media. the game of media is attention. It is about eyeballs. It is about awareness. And um, that is art. Remember what we, we said, marketing is art. You have to be willing to unabashedly go out and tell people that your art exists, whether it's articles, whether it's books, whether it's your business, your widget, homes that you have listed for sale, services that you offer. Like you can't just do your craft. You have to do your craft and you have to tell people that your art exists. The two go hand in hand. Marketing is art. So get out there, create beautiful, wonderful masterpieces of well-written, well-painted, well-researched, integritous, meaningful thought leadership and services, and go out and tell the whole world that they're there. We'll catch you next time on The Success Line. If you would like to appear on The Success Line, head to success.com slash success line guest to fill out the application form. If you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to rate, review, and most of all, tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.